Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle, broadcasting live from the Zimmer Radio Group World Headquarters. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry. Get ready for interviews with movers and shakers from our community as we dive in for a deeper look inside Columbia. Now, here's your host, Fred Perry. And good morning, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the CEO Roundtable Show. It's great to have you with us this morning. I'm Fred Perry, your host. We are going to be visiting with State Representative Chuck Basie this morning. We're going to talk about a lot of things. Uh, Chuck was in the news this week, and we're also going to be talking about the legislative session that just ended a most unusual session. But Chuck is the state representative for our 47th district, which, believe it or not, represents Boone County, Howard County, Cooper County and Randolph County. So sections of all four of those counties. And so it's a pleasure to have you this morning. Chuck, good morning to you. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Uh, you've uh, had a busy few weeks, that's for sure. You have uh, wrapped up a, a most unusual session, but you were in the headlines this week. Uh, one of your constituents alerted to you, alerted you to a situation over at the Aslan building, which is the administrative building for the Columbia Public School District. And uh, talk a little bit about that situation and uh, the response that you got from the school district. Well, the, the individual that brought this to me uh, said there were some electric vehicle charging stations behind the building. And I, at first I thought, that, uh, you know, maybe they had it for a reason. Maybe they had electric vehicles, uh, and, and perhaps they do. But So anyway, I, I drove over there, and, and uh, it's, it's behind the building. It's in a staff-only parking lot. Um, you cannot see it from the street or even behind the building because of the uh, the way it's designed. But sure enough, there's uh, right by the back door of the building. There's three of these uh, charging stations back there, and uh, it just uh, kind of raised some concerns for me. That uh, number one, uh, I, I wrote a letter to Dr. Steepman, the superintendent, and asked for some information. I, to, to date, I have not received that. Uh, I know that they received the copy and they're treating it as a sunshine request, which is fine. And that letter was sent over two weeks ago, correct? Yeah, it was uh, okay. May 13th when we okay. mailed the letter. And um, uh, anyway, um, uh, my concern is, is um, it's, uh, it seems like it's a little unnecessary to have that there. I am not against clean energy whatsoever. That really has nothing to do with it. It's just the fact that the school district spent money to install those, uh, those charging stations. And um, if, in fact, they are using that to allow employees to charge their vehicles on the taxpayer's dime, I think that is uh, extremely inappropriate. And even if they're uh, reimbursing the school district, I still think those things have no business um, being supported by a uh, public entity like the school district. So it's not uncommon to see those electric charging stations at a grocery store or a hotel or even at some private businesses. But your your primary concern is um, I noticed that you mentioned uh, uh, something I read uh, yesterday in a news release, perhaps, that that um, it's it's uncommon for a public entity to be paying for that power for private use and and especially 
when we are frequently hearing about how underfunded and stretched uh, our local school district is. Right. And, you know, I've been in the legislature for six years now, and that, that is a common theme from uh, not just Columbia, but all school districts. They have a concern about revenue. And whether you believe that or not, uh, that that's just a consistent complaint we hear um, that uh, they are not receiving adequate funding. And uh, when they're spending money on something like this, even though it might just be a drop in the bucket, as they say, I, I still think it is very inappropriate for uh, them to have that. And when you compare the Columbia School District to the surrounding school districts all around central Missouri, uh, the extravagance that uh, Columbia uh, tends to um exercise on, you know, they, they have a lot of resources that other school districts don't have. I, granted, they're a lot lot bigger, more tax revenue, you know, local taxes go to the Columbia schools, and that's fine, but but when they're spending money inappropriately uh, for, for these things that only certain staff members can use, um, I, I, you know, I think that that money would be much better spent for uh, classroom activity, uh, funding teacher salaries, whatever you could you could take a lot of different directions on that and um so i i just i, I frankly was offended uh and deeply disturbed when i saw that they in fact had those things behind the building and uh, dr steepleman has communicated to me through a text message or two and he said that two of them are not working and one works intermittently and he said the, the software is out of date on those, so they need an upgrade, and that's going to cost, uh, again, additional resources that should be going to the classroom to educate our children, right. um, not letting uh, a perk benefit for select employees uh, happen like uh, like is going on right now. You know, I read something else this week that's, that is sort of uh, related to this topic, but and I was surprised to read it because it's really not – the message that you get from the main street media or from school board members when they talk to you about funding. But the foundation formula for, for K through 12 has been fully funded for the last four years. Is, is, am I reading that correct? Is, is that a true statement? That is, that is true. And, okay. um, you know, we, we did change the calculation. Uh, I don't know exactly when it was, maybe 10, 12 years ago, maybe longer. Uh, they, they tweaked that uh, foundation formula uh, based on anticipated revenues coming in from gambling. And um, there was an escalator uh, mechanism built into the funding uh, formula. And uh, it, there was no way that we could ever meet that. So uh, back about five years ago, we removed that, took it back to the original way the foundation formula was calculated, and with some excellent work from our budget people in uh, the House and Senate, we were able to fully fund the formula, and we've done so every year. So um, I, I'm pretty proud of that. And matter of fact, not only were we fully form, uh, funding the education formula, for K through 12 education in Missouri, we are also increasing record funding every year since I've been in the legislature. So um, it is uh, quite a task, but we've been able to do that, and I hope we can continue to do that because, in my opinion, there's not a whole lot of things that are much more important than our children in Missouri. We need to make sure they have all the tools necessary to uh, provide them a bright future and a successful future. So. Yeah. I think that's very important. <clears throat> well, you have some history with our, our local school district. Now, earlier in the session, uh, it seems like uh, there was a, a difference of opinion about whether or not a parent would be allowed to tape record a conversation uh, that was held uh, with parents of a um, 
with, with teachers for special needs students. Now, I'm probably really uh, banging that up the wrong way, but uh, what was the resolution of that issue? Well, we the bill was moving. Uh, there was a House bill and a Senate bill filed late, but um, it, I think it would have passed had we not had the uh, shutdown for six weeks. But um, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to try that again if I get reelected uh, next year. Can you uh, describe for our listeners what what that would have done? Yeah, basically, uh, when when a child has uh, what they call an IEP, that's an individualized educational program, or a Section 504, that's with the federal law for uh, children with disabilities. Um, they they have to provide a, an individual uh, plan for that child's education. And when I first heard about this from some of the parents that have uh, the children with a special need, I, I thought maybe these uh, meetings were maybe 10, 15 minutes long. And I quickly learned that some of these last hours, as a matter of fact, one parent said uh, their, their daughter's meeting went six hours and it didn't finish. So oftentimes, both parents or uh, guardians cannot attend these meetings, so uh, they're very complex. They uh, cover a wide range of issues, and usually it's one parent, and at times there might be an advocate with the parent there, but there's usually six to eight school officials from various departments sitting around this table. And uh, they cover this information very quickly, and the parent is trying to take notes and pay attention and think of questions to ask. And so the intent is not to get the school district in the gotcha. It is simply to allow a parent to have a recording of this uh, so they can reflect on it later or go back and, and refer to a thing they might not have understood, and, or they can share it with their spouse. So it's, it's, um, I know the school districts uh, all across Missouri have a concern about liability, but, uh, or excuse me, uh, litigation, but that, that, that's there now. I mean, they're getting sued anyway in, in certain instances. So mm-hmm. um, most but- of these parents are uh, not real well-to-do, and, and any lawyer that I've talked to said that they would require payment up front. And uh, it's just not real likely that a parent would just go in there looking for a reason to sue the school district. Right. So it's just in the best interest of the of the child. The concern on the school district is that there may be a liability issue. Is that correct? Well, th- th- there is that, but uh, there's nothing in the legislation that would, that would keep the school district from having their own recording. And, uh, again, uh, early on, Columbia and a few other school districts were saying, well, this is going to increase their costs. Um, but it, it's not real costly to uh, use a device and, and transfer that into a digital file, and, and storage would not be that big of an issue. Yes. So uh, I, I just dis, uh, dispute that. And we worked through a couple of little uh, problems in the legislation, got the language fine-tuned, and ended up having no opposition from uh, any school yeah. uh, organizations at all. So I think we uh, are very likely we could get that uh, through next year. I certainly hope so. And um, I think there's um, really nothing more important to the parent than the, the, the best interests of their children. And uh, when you compact, uh, compound that with a, a child that has a special need, it's even more important, in my opinion. Yeah. So. Well, you know, I'll draw a parallel. Uh, my wife has been battling cancer for the last couple of years. And, and one of the things that I have done when we meet with the doctors, because, you know, when you, when you get certain pieces of news, uh, emotions tend to run pretty high uh, in both directions. And, and uh, so yeah, I've got into the habit of recording our conversations with, with doctors. And now we've been very fortunate that 
every doctor that we have seen in St. Louis and, and uh, in Columbia has allowed us to record those conversations just because you want to go back and listen and say, hey, did they tell me to stop taking this drug or to start doing this? And, and you really just you don't remember, especially when emotions enter the equation. So I can certainly see the need for wanting to record it. And, and uh, but I, you know, I guess there's two sides to every story. And uh, I guess the legislature will make a decision next session. Yeah, and uh, that, that's a very good point you made there, Fred. Uh, but um, one of the concerns that came on early on was, uh, you know, maybe a teacher or a staff member being retaliated against. So we put some language in there to protect those uh, individuals from from any kind of uh, retribution. So uh, I think that's pretty important to consider uh, everybody's point of view when you try and work on a piece of legislation. And I think we were able to do that in this this case. But um, Unfortunately, the, the six-week shutdown in the legislature uh, caused a lot of good pieces of legislation to fail. Yeah. I, and uh, I, wanna, know, I don't have I any hard talk feelings about at that. all. I mean, you really, what an, from March 23rd to April 27th, uh, the legislature was, was closed due to coronavirus. Um, talk, you know, compare that to your previous years of service. I mean, what what was the net term, in, you know, uh, the, the net impact of, of uh, being out of session for almost six weeks? Well, it uh, it was very very hard because we still had uh, when we eventually came back, we still had to to take care of the budget, and that took a lot of time. So, um, but it was tough. You know, a lot of uh, my colleagues and myself, we put a lot of effort into uh, legislation, and um, so there was a lot of really good ideas and, and good proposals that uh, didn't make it this year. But but uh, unfortunately, that you know, uh, there was a lot of people that were um, impacted heavily and much more uh, severely than I was, and uh, my colleagues, of course. So um, overall, I, I think we did the right thing. And as a matter of fact, we actually lost the week before March 23rd because we were on spring break that week. Oh, that's right. I forgot it was about actually that. actually a little, little longer. Yeah. So. Well, one of the success stories of the session, which I, uh, you were working with the local Boone County Commission on this and, and the health department, but you were uh, successful at getting a, a piece of legislation uh, through on the omnibus bill. Uh, regarding rental housing standards, do you have a few words about that? Yeah, I, um, I I think that made a lot of sense. You know, I went on that ride along with you and uh, uh, one of the sheriff uh, detectives and saw some of these uh, just terrible situations that people uh, with little or no means to find uh, a suitable place to live and were forced to lo- live in some some areas that are um, a little shaky. You know, uh, crime infested area, but. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they don't have a, uh, uh, a dwelling that they can live in and feel safe, for example, a door broken or maybe a water heater not working, it, it, it makes it pretty tough. So the, the legislation was pretty simple. It just allows um, you know the county officials to crack down uh, on uh, bad landlords. Yeah. And uh, I, I think it was very appropriate, and I was pretty glad that, to see that uh, make it through. We've seen some pretty horrific living conditions for really uh, some of Columbia and Boone County's most vulnerable citizens. There are rental standards within the city limits, but if you get outside the city limits, boy, uh, you see all kinds of stuff. You see carpeting soaked by a broken water heater. You see black mildew, uh, black mold growing uh, all over bedroom walls. Uh, I mean, there's some horrific stuff out there. And and hopefully this will give the health department and and county officials a chance to sort of say, hey, you need to improve these you need to improve these living conditions or or we're going to have to uh, uh, take some other action. And so it's it's. I think a big win for Boone County. So yeah, I think so. Yeah. I, I 
I uh, was pretty happy to, you know, we worked, tried to work with the, the people that weren't happy with the legislation, yeah. and I think for the most part we did that. Yeah. There's still a few people that are unhappy. But. Yeah, but you got the realtors on board, and, and you got a lot of folks on board that, that eventually ended up agreeing with what you were trying to do. So right, yeah. uh, that's good. When we come back from this break, we're going to talk about the legislation that passed and uh, some of the things that uh, Representative Basie has been working on, and uh, we'll take... Um, uh, a few minutes to review the list and talk about things, including the Hyperloop that might be coming through Mid-Missouri. You're listening to the CEO Roundtable on Hot Talk 93.9. The He's breaking down what's going on inside Columbia. It's Fred Perry on Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle. And welcome back to the CEO Roundtable. This is Fred Perry, your host this morning. We are visiting with State Representative Chuck Basie from the 47th District. He represents sections of Boone County, Howard County, Cooper County and Randolph County. Uh, that is, uh, that's quite a, a, a geographically, uh, diverse district. Talk about some of the, the differences between those other counties in Boone County where you live. You live in Boone County, kind of on the outskirts of Boone County, but, but, uh, how are those four counties alike and how are they different? Well, um, I guess the, the biggest difference is in, in, in the Columbia area, um, they're they're mostly concerned about things centered around the University of Missouri, which is understandable if you think about it, or healthcare, since we have such a large uh, healthcare uh, you know uh, industry in in Mid Missouri, but we're in Columbia. But when you get further out towards uh, the rural counties that I represent, um, their their thoughts are a little different. They're still concerned about the same things, but it's more uh, centered around uh, agricultural type activities, since uh, that is a very prominent part of those areas. And um, you know the concerns in Columbia uh, might not be the same out in the rural areas. Uh, for example, the rural even the rural Democrats uh, don't think uh, typically the same way that the uh, the Democrats in, in, in the Columbia area think. You know, the uh, rural Democrats are relatively conservative when it comes to, um, you know, gun rights, Second Amendment rights, and, and abortion. They don't like abortion, and it's quite a bit different when you get into the uh, the Columbia area. So, very interesting, uh, but it's a, it's a very good district. I'm proud to um, serve the uh, community uh, the way I'm doing now, and uh, it has been very, very rewarding. Let me put you on the spot here, and this is going to really throw you for a loop, but what is the best thing to eat in Howard County? Well, it's, uh, that's, there, there's a lot of good good places to eat, but uh, the part of Howard County I have is all rural. There's no cities, but oh, okay. we do occasionally go to Fayette, and there's yep. some very good restaurants yep. in Fayette. Got to love Emmett's, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, quite a few others. All right. Can, well, what a, now, I think the answer to Randolph County is pretty pretty easy. What's the best thing to eat in Randolph County? Well, I'd have to go with Don's or fried chicken up on Fort uh, Huntsville. That's uh, that's uh, probably the best place you can go to. Yeah. I have never been there, and uh, I want to get up there. And I I, I don't know. Is your buffet still open during uh, all the COVID uh, stuff? Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah. I would, uh, they might be back open now, but yeah. on a limited basis. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what about Cooper County? Anything pop up out, out of Cooper County? Well, again, you go into Boonville and some of the smaller communities. There's good uh, restaurants all over the the area, but uh, in Boonville, I'd probably 
I'd probably lean towards the Mexican restaurant over by, uh, I think it's called the Hacienda. Yep, uh, yep. By the Orchlin store yeah. now. We um, enjoyed Main Street Cafe this week for the first time down uh, on Main Street in Boonville, and it was it was excellent. It was very good. I had their fried chicken, of course. So anyway, but um, sorry to throw that to you, but I think that our our listeners always like good restaurant recommendations. So anyway, uh, throw that in there with some politics. Um, I want to talk a little bit about some of the things that did make it through the legislative session. Uh, election reform is something that uh, was talked about a lot. Uh, what, it, when all is said and done, uh, what does election reform look like in Missouri? Well, uh, there was quite a few provisions put into that, but uh, the ones that got the most talk uh, or uh, coverage, I think, was that uh, the mail-in voting is uh, going to be allowed just for these two upcoming, actually three upcoming elections. I think it might be a little late for the school board election next Tuesday, but mm-hmm. but uh, for the August primary and the general election in November, um, folks uh, will have to... Uh, you have to request it either uh, in person or by mail, and you can get a mail mail in ballot, and that is going to have a, a notarization requirement on it. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, a lot of people had big concerns about that, rightly so. But um, when you sit and listen to the floor debate, and um, you, you you look at things through a perspective of maybe the people you care about, and I, I looked at it. Um, my mother is is elderly. She has a lot of uh, medical issues, and I think this would be ideal for her or a lot of people just like my mother to be able to get a mail-in ballot so she don't, won't have to go out in public and stand in line and, and possibly uh, uh, have a uh, issue with the coronavirus, mm-hmm. which is probably going to be around for a while. So I, I thought it was the right thing to do. Um, the governor supports it. Secretary of State Ashcroft might has, have little reservations with uh, the final product, but I think overall he supports that as well. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that uh, was uh, kind of a big change was um, right now absentee ballots, uh, you have to have a specific reason. I think there's five or six that are listed. But uh, the change, again, for just this cycle, as I understand, uh, at least through the end of the year, um, there will be no excuse absentee ballots. So yeah. um, I, I think it's pretty important to... Uh, to have those changes, and uh, I think it was the right thing to do. Will they still need to be notarized? I, I believe so. Okay. I, I, I'm almost certain they, they will have to be. Yeah. I, uh, I'd have to go back and look at the, the language, but yeah. I know the mail-in ballot does have a have a notarization uh, requirement in there. And uh, matter of fact, the governor still has an executive order out that you can do that electronically now. Okay, good. So, well, that's good. I mean, I, I think that's certainly that that one step of just having something notarized. Uh, gives one more step of credibility in the process and and uh uh another check and balance which is i think important right talk about the hyperloop you know this um you know this kind of started off as a little bit of a joke uh in mid-missouri uh that that the hyperloop might be coming through mid-missouri along i-70 um and there's also talk of a hyperloop testing facility uh associated with the school of engineering and the university of missouri but but what what is your current read on on the hyperloop well the the uh, the bill that was passed was uh, i think it was house bill 1963 uh, carried by travis with fitzwater over in uh, callaway county but but this is just going to allow a um a uh, test track uh, more or less to be be set up uh, somewhere to be determined but um um, they they need to do some testing to make sure it's uh, viable, 
And uh, so this bill will allow that to do it. And there was an amendment placed on the bill that would uh, prohibit the use of eminent domain, so they will be able to go out and take somebody's land away. But it, it, it uh, I think it's a pretty good concept if they can ever get it done. It's going to be very expensive. But the way the bill reads, it'll be a public-private partnership that'll... Uh, that will address this eventually, and uh, we'll we'll see what happens from there. So, yeah. um, but that was one of the things we passed uh, mm-hmm. on the, the last day of session. Yeah. So, it was, uh, so a lot of things ended up in in a couple of omnibus, uh, you know, bills for healthcare, and one was for transportation, I think. But talk about the sort of the 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 need for omnibus uh, type. Uh, legislation or the approach that was used this time and i know that uh you're as a conservative you're not a big fan of it but but talk about sort of the pros and cons and and was this the only way we could get anything done in this session thanks to corona um pretty much so then that's just the way the system is is set up with the senate being a little slower uh passing things they uh they tend to be more deliberative on uh, certain pieces of legislation uh, most of them as a matter of fact and uh but yeah that's just uh unfortunately that's what we had as an option so um when you bring up a bill in the house or the senate if you want to lay an amendment on it uh it has to be uh related to the underlying bill in other words it has to be germane to the subject matter of the the uh the bill that it started with so and uh so many bills were already through committees on either the house or the senate and uh so it was just uh, a situation where as many people uh, as possible that could get up and offer an amendment on a bill, they did that, and uh, that resulted in a bill getting weighted down. And uh, it, it kind of is not the way to do things, but based on what we were faced with the loss of six weeks of our session and all that, uh, that's that's kind of how it uh, turned out. So, yeah. is it is it a lack of scrutiny? What what happens when a bill gets thrown into that? I mean, do you feel like it doesn't get scrubbed? Well, it, it kind of depends. There's yeah. uh, a lot of people, me included, that'll look uh, as a amendments being offered. You know, somebody will get up and say, "This is my house bill," uh, and they'll they'll cite the number. And uh, a lot of questions are asked: uh, Did it go through committees? You know, was it vetted? Uh, this and that. Did it make it through the House? Make it through the Senate? Whatever it might be. And so, if if you just come up with a uh, an idea, especially if it's a uh, large piece of legislation and it didn't get vetted through a committee. It will usually get rejected or voted down, uh, mm-hmm. or it'll kill a bill as well too. So, yeah. um, be very careful about how that happens. You know, of course, and I think that's very appropriate. When you look at everything that was accomplished in this last session, you know, in spite of very difficult odds, what in the end do you think the governor is actually going to sign? That's a very good question, and uh, I, I really can't speak for the governor or the governor's office, but. Um, you know, if you go back to last year, he did veto a couple bills. One was a, a bill that I was that I carried. That I was very passionate about, but it got um, heavily amended in the Senate, and um, he ended up vetoing that bill. And I actually supported the veto because one of the bills were were not only harmer, harmful to our current governor, but it would have been harmful to uh, a governor in the future. So he did the right thing by vetoing that bill, but. But the language on that bill is my uh, developmental disability legislation was attached to another piece of legislation, so it, it actually passed. But, um, so but, you have something really, really good, really strong, really meaningful, and those are the, the, 
the types of bills that tend to be the target for people trying to add amendments because they they know there's a passion and, and a, a good thing to do, but they're gonna they're gonna tag on to it with some stuff that's not not so good. Right. Yeah. And, and I think on both the Senate and the House side, uh, our leadership uh, tries to do. Uh, as much as possible as working with the governor's office to to make sure that a bad amendment isn't put on the bill that uh, is supported by both chambers. So hopefully the governor will sign all the legislation that was passed, but there's always that chance that there could be a veto. And unfortunately, if there is a veto, it kills the whole bill. And uh, so if the bill gets vetoed because of one bad amendment, uh, all that uh, legislation attached to that particular bill will be... uh, will suffer the consequences. And do you start over next year? Or do you yep. have to go back to ground zero, same same testimonies and everything? Right, unless, wow. um, you know, oftentimes somebody will put the same amendment on many, you know, uh, many different bills. So unless your legislation uh, made it through on another piece of legislation, uh, you got to start all over. You know, yeah, start that's unfortunate. Yeah, yeah, it is. How do you think the governor's doing? I, you know, he's uh, been really, in my opinion, uh, on a communication level, doing a great job with COVID, and he's got Dr. Williams by his side. Uh, how, how would you rate the governor's overall performance to date? I think Mr. Parson has done a tremendous job. Um, you know, we, we all can be criticized for, for things, you know, maybe not doing um, something that uh, somebody would like you to do. But given the, the stress that this has placed all of us under, I think the governor has done a, a pretty darn good job overall of uh, dealing with the, the coronavirus and uh, uh, it's got to be very very stressful on him and uh, his staff as well so yep. um, I, I'm pretty proud of, uh, of how the legislature and the governor's office has handled things so far. Here's, here's something I think is refreshing about the governor. I was on a call with him earlier this week and, and uh, you know he just um, he is very honest and uh he is he just s- says it as it is and and i think that uh uh that may bother a lot of people but uh um he seems to be pretty candid and and uh if he doesn't think something's going to happen on a federal level he just he says it and uh you know hopefully there's no surprises but it just seems like he's a straight shooter yeah i i think that's a very good way to put it i i don't mean this in any disrespect at all but i i describe the governor as um just a good old country boy and yeah and he is um he's he's very honest and uh when you see him on tv speaking or uh in person uh, that's exactly who he is he just uh he's just a good person and yeah. uh, he's got a great family and he's got an excellent background he's a uh, you know, an Army veteran, a former sheriff, and a longtime legislator, legislator in both the House and Senate. So he's got a lot of experience, and uh, um, so I, uh, I'm hopeful that he gets reelected. But um, you know, we'll we'll find that out in a few months. But yeah. I think he's done a tremendous job. Good. Uh, when we come back from this break, we'll continue our conversation with Chuck Basie. Uh, we'll talk about some of the stuff that did not pass, and whether or not we might get a special session dealing with Wayfair, a very important thing to local government. We'll be back after this break with Chuck Basie. You're listening to Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle.
Alexa. You're listening to Inside Columbia with Fred Perry on Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle. And welcome back to the CEO Roundtable. Fred Perry, your host this morning. We are visiting with State Representative Chuck Basie, who represents parts of Boone County, Howard County, Cooper County, Randolph County. And uh, we're talking about the legislative session that just uh, ended. Chuck, I'd like to, to spend just a few minutes uh, talking about some of the things that, that did not make it through, partially due, mainly due to COVID-19. What are we expecting in terms of special sessions? Are we are we expecting one special session or two or what 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 can you anticipate? Well, I've I've heard um, rumors that we may have two, um, possibly more, but I, I really don't know for sure. But you know, we we had heard uh, that there might be a uh, special session relative to the budget with the uh, additional money coming in from the federal government. But having said that, I have heard the governor speak that 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 might not be necessary. There might be other ways to handle that. The other one that I'm I'm hearing about, not only from a lot of constituents and business owners. But as you mentioned, uh, a special session related to the Wayfair uh, decision, and that's something that's stalled uh, the last several years, and uh, mainly in the Senate. I'm I'm not here to pick on the Senate, but we have a group of uh, six senators, uh, whether you like it or not, they are... Concerned about uh, passing anything that will increase taxes without an offset uh, in some other area, so that's their stance, and uh, I think uh, I think it's doable. But uh, I believe that's uh, it's going to be we're going to have to address it with an offset, uh, so our revenues don't increase based yeah. on a new tax. Let me throw in just a quick editorial comment, uh, uh, just about that. I mean, it, this week we we heard about the gross abuse of governmental spending in in states like New York and and California and and New Jersey. And you you just, you know, they just spend, 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 spend. But then you have a uh, a state like Missouri who really strives every year for a balanced budget, who uh, has Hammerschmidt in place, has Hancock in place. You have all these things in place that really force us to be fiscally responsible, responsible. But... When the federal government comes in to start bailing people out, you know, there's really no penalty for, for places like New York. Um, and it's, you know, so it's kind of a, it's frustrating. I mean, conservative, as a conservative, that's the right thing to do. I get it. But man, it's frustrating when you see such flagrant abuse in, in other states. And what happens is the federal government has no choice but to come in and bail out, you know, catastrophes like New York, you know? Right, yeah, not just New York. There's quite a few states that are in, in bad shape right now. But, but yeah, we, we do have a constitutional requirement in Missouri to have a balanced budget, and uh, it, it calls for some very tough decisions. And there's usually some entities that aren't happy with the uh, you know, decisions that the legislature makes, but but that does uh, it. It makes us be responsible, and we. I think the budget committee does a, a very very good job of uh, balancing uh, what is done in in, uh, in our spending patterns. And uh, for example, a good uh, good thing is what we already talked about was education spending. I think yeah. we've done a very good job there. So well, let's talk about Wayfair. And so you know, you have a conservative caucus, uh, six senators you mentioned. Uh, who um, are their belief is that if you're going to start charging sales tax, start I'm not not charging sales, start collecting sales tax on online purchases, you need to find some other tax to get rid of. Um, is that is that a fair assessment? Yep, that's exactly what it is. Okay, and, um, you know, one of those senators is uh, 
I consider him a very good friend, uh, Senator Hoskins from Warrensburg. I uh, had breakfast with him uh, the last week of the session, and we were talking about this very thing. And and he said that uh, that's just how they feel, him and his uh, five colleagues in that conservative caucus over there. But they were um, they're going to demand that there's going to be offsets on any new revenues that come in. And um, you know, the Senate operates a little differently than the House. They have that uh, ability to filibuster. So, um, you know, that's going to be up to uh, our good friend Senator Rowden and um, Senator Schatz to, to uh, manage that if we do, in fact, have a special session uh, concerning are, Wayfair. Are there six votes? Is that enough to completely derail anything they want to accomplish in the Senate? Well, you know, in the House, when you get up to debate uh, a topic, you have to stay on topic. You can't talk about, uh, if you're talking about a uh, tax bill, you can't uh, talk about uh, agriculture or something like that. Mm -hmm. But over in the Senate, when they, uh, one senator can get up and filibuster, and, uh, you know, they can talk about anything they want. It doesn't have to be related to the uh, underlying subject. So, um, and oftentimes, uh, so the filibuster will be several senators will take turns and they'll just keep talking and talking and talking and and uh, so that requires some uh, negotiations on the side with the uh, Senate leadership and those individuals to prevent that from happening. Yeah, I have not found the exact language uh, yet in one of the omnibus but bills, but yeah, I'm told that uh, there was something passed that would at least allow local municipalities and counties to fix the ballot language. You know, the ballot language uh, is a big issue for some of these uh, use taxes that, that cities have attempted to pass. What uh, what is your read? Do you any familiarity with that at all? The in terms well, of ballot I, language, I think that was in that House bill where the rental standards uh, legislation passed. Yeah. Okay. Uh, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. But, um, yeah, I I, uh, I think that's appropriate. There's uh, some situations in in um, some counties, Howard County being one, where they have. Uh, a pretty tough issue in front of them. They, they, they are limited on how much money they can uh, tax for their law enforcement. And I, I believe that that fix was put into that bill. So hopefully if the governor signs that, uh, Howard County might have an easier way to get some more money for their municipalities and their law enforcement people. Mm-hmm. So yeah. very, very appropriate. So. I think I was driving through Howard or Cooper this past weekend, and I, I, did I see signs for a half-cent sales tax? Is that something that's on your radar? It could be. I yeah. have not seen those. Okay. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I, I I live in Boone County, so I you know I have to follow what's going yep, on in Boone County. Yep, so. I get it. Um, so with with Wayfair, um, is there any way to overcome? What what would be the the value of a special session? I mean, it, is it possible that uh, uh, we could reach some kind of consensus on how that needs to be handled? Oh, I think so. Yeah, I think that's that's very likely. I think um, you know a special session that has to be called on a specific subject matter. So. That would be the only thing that would be addressed, and uh, it can start in either, you know, in the committees in the Senate or in the House. So uh, perhaps if they can get it through a Senate committee and get it on the Senate floor, they can hash out all those problems before it comes to the House, and and, uh, I think it's very, very doable. And uh, I I cannot tell you how many people, small business owners or just individual citizens that have a huge concern um, about the, uh, the lack of revenue because of online sales. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, I mean, so as a, as a state rep, I mean, how do you, why is this important for, from your, your vantage point, why is this important for the state of Missouri? I guess it just kind of levels the playing field with a small business uh, owner, uh, perhaps, but, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't think, uh, there's not a whole lot of people that I know that, that shop online to avoid paying taxes. It's, it's more of a convenience. Sure. 
And, you know, I have a brother-in-law that's blind, and he he has uh, very bad panic attacks when he goes out in public. Mm-hmm. And he shops exclusively online, pretty much, and um, because he can have everything delivered uh, to his, ha- his home, and he yeah. doesn't have to get out in public. And he's not trying to avoid taxes at all. And, right. When I shop online, I don't either. You know, I just it's just very easy to find what you want instead of going around and walking around the store for a half hour trying to find the same thing. Yeah, yeah, I get it. And, and it's sort of a – but, you know, we're literally leaving millions of dollars on the table. Um, and these are taxes that uh, Amazon says, you know what, uh, we, we account for almost 60% of all online sales in the state of Missouri. We're willing to pay this tax. You just got to pass – you got you to gotta have um, – pass a, a a provision that that allows it yep yeah, yeah. that's a very good point yeah so interesting when you talk about uh, gun rights one of the things that did not make it was uh, an initiative to allow conceal and carry on campus uh for i guess both students and professors but uh what what happened with that you're a, you're a, a gun rights activist what i shouldn't call you an activist but you're pro gun rights uh what what happened to that bill well that uh, the bill itself didn't uh make any headway I, we had a hearing on it in the general laws committee in the house and that uh, i don't even think it got voted out of the committee mm. but mm. um you know oftentimes it's been heard before it's made it through committees in, in the previous sessions and um so that that bill and a couple others were put onto a um, a senate bill as amendments and uh unfortunately that more or less uh i think they were stripped off uh, at the end so mm-hmm. But the bill ended up passing, but all the the gun bills were taken off. So um, that that's pretty common. But um, I know there's some concern about uh, guns on college campuses, but they're there now anyway. I, I know of some people that carry uh, uh, just because of their concern for their own safety. They're uh, they're taking a chance, but. Um, I uh, personally don't have a problem with that as long as you're uh, trained and you know yeah. have a, a concealed carry permit. Um, you know you're uh, you never hear about a concealed carry permit holder uh, breaking the law or doing something inappropriate with the firearm. So yeah, uh, I just don't think that increases uh, any problems at all. Yeah. So, but uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with that in the future. Let's talk on a, on a personal level. Uh, tell us how you're going to spend the rest of your summer. You you may have one or two special sessions you need to do, but but really politics is not what you do for a living. No, I, I actually retired from the Federal uh, Aviation Administration, but um, I still have a small farm that uh, keeps us a little bit busy, and I'm and my, my two brothers uh, have some acres that I help them mow grass on. But, but you know, it's the uh, same for you, Fred. It's uh, campaign season, so uh, I'll be out as soon as it's appropriate and probably trying to uh, do a little door-to-door and... Um, uh, campaign events and things like that. So uh, a lot of chicken then, suppers, a lot of uh, right and stump speaking. We'll always have the uh, <laughs> start seeing all these uh, signs pop up all over the place, which is uh, kind of a nice at times, but it's it's kind of a necessary evil of a, a campaign. Yeah, um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, your colleagues. Uh, the, the I think we're pretty blessed with a, a good delegation from from Mid Missouri. Um, we work very closely with Sheree Rice, who represents the 44th, and Sarah Walsh, who represents the uh, 50th. Um, and, of course, you know, having a senator from Boone County, who is the Senate Majority Leader, um, is kind of like uh, uh, having access to the Golden Goose, right? It, it has been very helpful. And uh, Senator Rowden... Um he has done a remarkable job, I think. You know, I, we all, you know, I, I can criticize myself on some things, and, and of course, I know Caleb can get criticized at, at times. But overall, 
Nikki has done a remarkable job, and um, so has uh, Cherie and Sarah as well. And and I got to give, uh, uh, even though they're not in my party, but uh, even Martha Stevens and Kip Kendrick, they're they're good people. They're mm-hmm. I think they're doing. Uh, what they think is right, even though I don't agree with them on many things, I think they're they're pretty good people. So right, uh, it's uh you know as we we kind of wrap up the show here, I think that uh, uh, is there anything that you're looking forward to in, in future legislative sessions? Is, is what what are you going to reintroduce that didn't get passed this time? Well, I, I had two things that I really wanted to pass. Uh, one was to try and increase funding for the MU Veterans Law Clinic. And uh, unfortunately, that uh, did not make it very far mm-hmm. because there was some opposition. It was related to the medical marijuana revenue, and that's an unknown quantity right now. Yeah. So my colleagues just didn't see uh, any need for that legislation, which is fine. Yeah, and the other item? But the uh, recording uh, legislation, I'm certainly going to file that and, and try and uh, get that through. Yeah. It's, uh, something I never thought I'd get behind was uh, uh, disability rights, but um, I've met a family, and I think you know who they are, oh, yeah. that, uh, have really. Um, got me interested in that and I think it's a very uh, very rewarding thing to do and I, yeah. I think these people really deserve uh, they need an advocate yeah, yes, yeah, they do. yeah Chuck Basie we appreciate your time this morning we are uh, down to the final seconds here but uh, thank you for all that you're doing uh, you're getting high praise from your colleagues and so we appreciate your service to Boone County well thank you so much for having me Fred alright uh, this has been the CEO Roundtable on Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle It's my city, and I love it, yeah, I love it.